Live from the Haymarket Pub and Brewery in Chicago, Illinois, this is Bug House! loved a good debate. Back in the mid-20th century, writers and artists and weirdos and freaks would gather in Washington Square Park to debate the topics of the day. And they called this Bug House Square. Bug House being a derogatory term for nut house, loony bin, shithead crazy place, mental institution. Okay? Uh, today, we don't really have to gather in a public space to hear debates about the topic of the day? I mean, we do right now, so thank you for, for actually doing it. But now we have Facebook and Twitter and whatever other online social webmail stuff that we have. And because of it, the actual debate has gone away. It's just people screaming at each other. It's emotionally fueled nonsense. Every single topic, whether it's something of great importance, or something silly like the shoes you're wearing. <laughs> For the podcast listener, the shoes that Brett Dworsky is wearing are not good. Oh. <laughs> but see, that's my opinion, and we could get up, we could debate that appropriately using reason, using dialectic, okay? But we don't do that normally. Normally, every disagreement is an affront to our individual existence, discussion is rife with emotion rather than informed and diverse thought, but tonight that changes. Tonight here at Bug House, in the back of this wonderful bar, we're gonna put some thought and reason into these important topics. So, three topics. The three important topics of the day. Who's the better clown? Krusty or Bozo? <laughs> Brett Dworsky with his wonderful shoes. I'm a flip-flopper, what do you want? Brett Dworsky and Lauren Reed will be debating whether or not it's Krusty or Bozo. Then we've got Lindsay Williams and Chris Churchill answering the question of whether or not a MAGA hat is a sign of hatred or just an expression of opinion. <laughs> and then Carrie Castor and Sherita are going to tell us whether hipsters are hip or square. All right, so here's how it works. Each of these thinkers are going to have seven minutes to state their case. They can use visual aids, they can use music, or they can use the power of their own words alone. Uh, we have one judge that will determine who wins each bout, and that judge has been chosen by me, and that judge tonight is Mr. John Capal. All right, so why one judge? Because bench trials are more affordable than jury trials. That's it. That's it. Uh, so here's a twist, and, and Judge John, this is important to you. Yeah. Each thinker has seven minutes to make their case. At seven minutes, I'm going to ding a bell. Well, that one was a little early. Okay, so seven minutes. That means the thinker has to wrap up. If they hit the eight-minute mark, at that point, 
Judge John can use any extra time against them. So even if their argument kicks ass, if they go 27 minutes and it like changes our lives, he can still dock them for taking 27 minutes of our lives, okay? Uh, before the judge makes his decision, I'm gonna ask for three questions, up to three questions from the audience. You can ask those questions to any one of, of, the, of the thinkers in each bout, or both of them, and then they have one minute to answer that question. At one minute, they get a ding. Now, the answer that they provide can also help their case. So if their original case sucks, but their answers are awesome, Judge John can use that. drive from equal parts truth and pain. When done well, comedy shows us the deep vulnerability and honesty of the people willing to chase a laugh. To do this in front of an audience, to risk failure by exposing your true self with all your shortcomings for the sole purpose of other people's amusement is quite possibly the most difficult and noble profession someone could pursue. And while comedy comes in lots of flavors, stand-up, improv, sitcom, storytelling, there's one pursuit of comedy that is pretty next level. Clowning. Like, what the fuck, right? <laughs> Clowns today are often the very thing of nightmares. Clowns like Stephen King's Pennywise and John Wayne Gacy's Pogo the Clown have done little to advance the public's favorable opinion of clowns. But there is one clown that transcends people's nightmares. Sir Herschel Schmoigel Pinchus Yerukum Krustovsky. <laughs> yes. More affectionately known as Krusty the Clown. So clowns were first introduced to the world as basically jesters. Jesters were never meant for children. In fact, clowns were never for children until recent history. A fine example of a basic one-dimensional clown is Bozo. He doesn't cut it as a clown for all people. For young children, sure, he's fine. Krusty is so much more meta than Bozo. Krusty is layered, like a crispy, flaky, crusty croissant. Thanks. Krusty is a clown for the people. He's sincere, and he takes his role very seriously. He has episodes where he hates being a clown, and he shows us this on stage, as well as that side of himself that loves to entertain. Haven't we all hated what we do at some point? It's relatable. What other clown have you ever actually related to? And while he has many vices, cigarettes, cocaine, booze, gambling, <laughs> women, again, all relatable things, <laughs> he's a genuine man with a storied and sad past, the very makings of the best clown ever. His father, Rabbi Hyman, uh, was disappointed. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. Okay. Uh, his father was disappointed in his choice to go into entertainment, and the two spent many years estranged. Krusty also suffers from heart problems. He has a pacemaker, which has somehow turned his face into a permanent shade of white. <laughs> so, so, for the greatest clowns in the world, 
you don't happen to clowning, clowning happens to you. <laughs> Take from that what you will. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Chicago alone, Bozo has been played by many different actors over the years. While in syndication across the country, Bozo was played by many people at any given time. Like, how confusing is that for a child? <laughs> you go visit a different city, you turn on the TV, and there's Bozo. But that's not your Bozo. Krusty <laughs> has been the same clown for more than 30 years. There is only one Krusty, and he is a clown. All the time. Like, at the grocery store, a clown. At the bar, a clown. Is it probably unhealthy and a sign of mental instability? Yeah. <laughs> but aren't the best artists unhealthy and mentally unstable? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. All right. Um, on January 15th, 1989, we're first introduced to Krusty the Clown on The Tracy Ullman Show, season three, episode seven. Um, Bart and his sister Lisa attend a taping of The Krusty the Clown Show, and Bart tells Lisa, you know, I base my whole life on Krusty's teachings. This speaks volumes of Bart's admiration for his favorite clown and what kind of talent Krusty has to spark a troubled child to look up to him so much. No one talks about Bozo like that. <laughs> um, and also, aside from the nuclear Simpson family, Krusty is the fourth character that we're ever introduced to on The Simpsons after Grandpa and Itchy and Scratchy. That's how important Krusty is to The Simpsons. He's practically family. And Krusty also is not above paying homage to the clowns that have come before him either. Dan Castellaneta, the voice of Krusty, based the voice on Bob Bell, uh, the longest running bozo in Chicago. Matt Groening based his, his vision of Krusty on Rusty Nails, another popular television clown when Groening was young. See, Krusty is reverent and respects the history of clowns that have come before him. Noble. Uh, after the Tracy Ullman show, uh, Krusty goes on to give us more itchy and scratchy in episodes of The Simpsons. The famous cat and mouse duo that appear on the Krusty the Clown show have a humorous and tumultuous relationship. They teach children important life lessons that can be difficult for parents to explain to kids. Things like the art of war, uh, death and mortality, improper handling of kitchen knives, <laughs> bullying, and they answer difficult questions like, what is decapitation? And, <laughs> and what is an abusive relationship? Krusty uh, is also a brand ambassador and entrepreneur with an amazing arsenal of products. He was a brand ambassador for vodka, giving the world absolute Krusty. Um, he gave Springfield the Krusty Burger franchise. He was a spokesperson for the first SUV in Springfield, the Canyon Arrow. Uh, he also gave us Krusty brand home pregnancy tests. <laughs> May cause birth defects. Um, <laughs> I like these little catchphrases that he has. Uh, the cereals Frosted Krusty Flakes and Chocolate Frosted Frosty Krusty Flakes. Only sugar has more sugar. <laughs> uh, Lady Krusty Mustache Remover. Is my upper lip supposed to bleed like this? Uh, we have Grand Theft Krusty. Krusty Fruit by the Kilometer Roll-Ups. <laughs> Krusty's legal forms. Hey, hey, they're binding. Uh, he opened Camp Krusty and Krusty Lou Studios. 
and he founded the country of Crestonia. His entrepreneurial endeavors are vast and prove the talents of a clown that far surpassed what any other clown has ever done. He wants to do these things because he cares and because he wants money. See, he's still relatable. Okay. Uh, not only is Krusty a worldwide icon, the people he surrounds himself with are talented behemoths. Of course, he has his requisite monkey best friend, Mr. Teeny. Only the most amazing and interesting people have monkeys for friends. <laughs> Except for Ross Geller. <laughs> his half-siblings <laughs> um, half are Mia Farrow and the late Luke Perry. Uh, I don't know, okay. Um, Robert Underdunk Terwilliger, PhD, also known as Sideshow Bob. Uh, Krusty's sidekick and friend, when he isn't trying to frame or murder Krusty, uh, was voiced by Kelsey Grammer. Krusty and his other sidekick, Sideshow Mel, are voiced by Dan Castellaneta, winner of four Emmys. And it goes without saying that Krusty is on The Simpsons, a show that has taken home 33 Emmys over the years. That's some great company. In conclusion, uh, a gambling addict, a cynic, a constant sufferer of depression, and an ex-husband of 15 wives, <laughs> Krusty has his flaws. His first wife, Holly Hippie, claimed they divorced because Krusty wouldn't let her watch the moon landing because he was jealous of Neil Armstrong. <laughs> now, I didn't grow up with a bozo, but I did grow up with a Krusty. And even with his shortcomings, I am grateful to know Krusty, and I bet you are too. He's Bart Simpson's hero too, and that kid looks up to no one. Krusty, he's a clown of the people. He may not be the clown we deserve, but he's the clown we need. <laughs> Clown to be, Mr. Brett Dworsky. Hey, everybody. Let's make sure this mic is good. Okay, cool. All right, now, very quickly before I start, I want everyone in the room close your eyes. Just, if you don't want to do it, fine. Quickly <laughs> close your eyes. Now, do me a favor. Picture a clown. Any clown. Think really hard. Picture the clown in its element, doing its thing. It could be blowing up balloons at a birthday party, spinning glass plates on its finger, burying little boys in its crawl space. <laughs> Think really hard, okay? Now, show of hands, who's imagining a clown that has red hair, a white painted face, a big red nose, big red shoes, and way flamboyant baggy pants? Raise your hand. <laughs> not just a coincidence, folks. That is because of Bozo the fucking clown. <laughs> That's one reason why he's a legend. Bozo was the innovator, the creator, the first modern clown. Clowns are commonly known for their boisterous demeanor, their vibrant appearance, the unsettling connection to children, and the knack for weird tricks and games. Before Bozo came along, the coolest trick a clown could do was play peekaboo, and they all looked like Charlie Chaplin after a bad makeup job. <laughs> Bozo set the stage for other clowns, both in real life and in television. Ronald McDonald, Pennywise, the schmuck from Airbud, and yes, even Krusty. 
that asshole from The Simpsons. <laughs> Anyone who thinks Krusty was better than Bozo should just tie their noose while they're ahead. <laughs> yes, I know it's difficult to compare since Bozo is a real person while Krusty is made up, but it doesn't matter. First things first, as Miss Reed said, did you know that Krusty is actually based on Bozo? Dan Castanatella, the voice actor for Krusty, mimicked the raspy smoker's voice of Bob Bell, which he made Krusty. Bob Bell was one of the actor, many actors who voiced Bozo on Bozo's, who played Bozo on Bozo's Circus, which was Bozo's timeless show, which I'll get into in a sec. And just like Bozo's Circus, Krusty's show was a barrage of sketches, gags, cartoons, with a live audience of kids who reeked of farts waiting to, waiting to meet him. Krusty's show was a straight-up copycat of Bozo Circus. It's a fact. <laughs> it's seen throughout The Simpsons that Krusty has a variety of his own products, as Ms. Reed also said, ranging from t-shirts and posters to toothbrushes to bottled mustard. So where do you think Matt Gronick, the creator of The Simpsons, got this idea in the first place? Bozo the Clown had these too and they're sold all over the world. He's got his grand prize game, which is Bozo Buckets, the Bozo Bot Bag, Charm Bracelets, Plush Bozo Dolls, and Bozo Banks, whatever the fuck those things are. They're a hit among kids, you can probably buy them at Toys R Us. And so if clowns are really for kids, how friendly were Krusty's products? As Miss Reed told us earlier, like Krusty's brand of cereal, Krusty-O's, which contained a jagged piece of metal in each box. Remember that Simpsons episode when Bart ate one of them and bled, nearly bled to death? Not great for your image, you old crusty piece of shit. Not one bit. If you're not convinced, what about the crusty brand home pregnancy test? Which on the label literally says, may cause birth defects. What about the crusty brand baby oatmeal, which has 38% fewer rat droppings than the original? What about Krusty's Choice Oxycodone candy, just for the kids? Is it creative? Yes. Is it funny? It's fucking hilarious. But is it horrible for children? Yes. I'm looking right at you, Himmel. And beyond the heartless gags, Bozo was just simply a better human being than Krusty. Throughout the years, Bozo's team of people have donated to charities all over the world, including right here in Chicago, to the Off the Street Club. For when who doesn't know, it provides children a safe place to go for games and mentorship. Mentorship, excuse me. And while Bozo was using his money to help the world, especially those children, Krusty was wasting his fortune like a teenage professional athlete who just cashed his first check. He'd light his cigarettes with $100 bills. He'd spend thousands on porno magazines and hookers. He'd gamble on horse races, gamble on the opera, and worst of all, he would bet against the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> Krusty, the Globetrotters never fucking lose! <laughs> Idiot. Most clowns are created and performed by one person. Like I said before, and like Miss Reed said, Dan Castellanata does the voice of Krusty, but Bozo was so famous that he was portrayed on television by hundreds of lunatics all over the world. 
Do you know that at one point, and I'm not shitting you on this, there were 183 different bozo shows airing across the country, all with different actors playing this fucking clown? According to the Larry Harmon Pictures Corporation. Think about that. In the US alone, there were literally hundreds of different actors simultaneously playing the same character on the same show. Hundreds, not five, not 50, hundreds. When has that ever been done before? Never, and if you do, please stop me. And lastly, while both clowns have a theme song, Bozo's contains thought-provoking, heartfelt lyrics that can only be understood by the brightest, most empathetic human beings out there. So without further ado, I'm such a funny clown, I like to travel round and round the circus is my home. I always see the road in the rocket ship I soar. I explore the ocean floor, but you will still never know unless you come along. Bozo, bozo, always laughs, never frown. Bozo, 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 the clown! Thank you. So Brett's saying that Bozo's a shit, and Lauren's saying that, no, Krusty's it. All right, so, Judge John, what do we got? What are you thinking? Do you want questions first? Oh, thank you, Jesus Christ, yeah. This is new, we're trying this tonight. This is the first week, or the first month that we're trying the question thing. God, this is why, this is why I hate you. You got my back, man. All right, so, while he deliberates, or begins his deliberations, uh, are there any questions from the audience? Show of hands. For both or one or the other? I yes, ma'am. I can go both, but it's separate questions. Okay, you got, so you have two questions. I do, one for each. Okay, your first question is for who? Either. <laughs> they are totally different questions. Okay, I don't know what to do with that. Do you wanna ask, do you wanna ask both of them the same question? You can do I that. Do not. Okay, then you do the pick one. I need you to pick one question for what? Do you want to take a minute? Like, I can no, bam. I'm cool. I'm ready. Okay, ready. all right. I'm ready. So. My, my first question is for Brett. All right, first question is for Brett. There we go. Now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> Cook it with gas. Go. My first question is Ms. Reed has spoken quite often about the people that he surrounds him with. Caressy the Crowd is people, like the Simpsons and Bart. How does Bozo explain, I came from the Bozo era. I am not afraid to say that I am from that generation. I went to the Bozo the Clown show. My sister played Bozo Buckets. No. So this is in my family. How do you explain Wizzo the Wizard? Okay, so the question is, she had sex with Bozo. How do you explain? <laughs> how do you explain Wizzo the Wizard? Right, you've got one minute. The Robin to Bozo's Batman. <laughs> okay. There you go. All right, so your next question now. For, for Ms. Reed, for Lamar and Cleo. Next question for Ms. Reed. Krusty's okay. makeup is quite lovely. Who does he use? <laughs> so the question was, who does Krusty's makeup? 
First, I'd like to thank you, Lindsay, for your question. Um, <laughs> I, I mentioned early on that uh, he does have a pacemaker and his face is permanently white because of it. Um, oh. As far as the rest of his makeup, I'm not really sure. I would assume he has, you know, being the affluent clown that he is and so talented, I'm sure he has a team that does his makeup. Um, I can only assume that they use the finest cosmetics that exist. Probably not animal, like, they probably are animal tested. Um, I'm not really sure. I don't know, Smashbox? <laughs> All right, are there any other questions for our thinkers here? Yes, ma'am. I guess this could be for both. Um, what is more important in the uh, bozo crusty debate? Uh, being first or being funniest? Okay, the question is, what is more, this is for both of you, so Brett, you can go first. What is more important, being first or being funniest? So Brett, you got one minute. In Bozo's case, it was absolutely being first, because if you recall anything from the Bozo show, it wasn't always funny. In the mid to late 90s, it became an educational resource for young children, and it wasn't always funny. It was also very resourceful for young children. So first is the priority because Bozo was the fucking man, number one, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Lauren, what's more important, being first or funny? Okay. Um, I mean, since I'm pro-crusty, I've got to go with being funny. Uh, I mean, you're a clown. That's your job. <laughs> that's, that's really it. Yeah, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> All right, there you go. There's our three questions. Thank you, both of you, for, for participating in that. Um, all right. I'm ready. Now, now it's time for Judge John to, to make his ruling. As someone who has been on this stage debating with Rory Zacker whether clowns are good or evil... I have to interrupt. You don't have to name drop Rory Zacker. Don't do that to me. <laughs> his weirdly shaped head is big enough as it is. But you were saying, you've been on the stage, you understand what we're dealing with here. I, I understand what we're dealing with. I come down clearly on who would I want to lose a weekend with? Lauren oh. Reed and Krusty! I was hoping to get that first debate because I grew up with Krusty and Bozo, um, so that's real tough. You guys are very brave. Um, okay. <laughs> so, when I found out the debate topic for tonight and my side, I was very ecstatic um, because I think Trump is a disgusting human being that has no moral compass, and whenever I see a Make America Great Again hat, I just want to rip it off people's heads and light them on fire. <laughs> but that's just me. <laughs> no, uh, it's nearly impossible for me to not say anything about how I personally feel uh, about MAGA hats. Like I said, I wish I could knock them off people's heads, but that's exactly my point. Not only does this hat represent hatred, it evokes it out of everyone. The people who wear it and the people who see it, and not only hatred, but violence. 
The other day I was walking through my neighborhood up in Ravenswood, and I saw an older man wearing a red baseball hat with white writing. And my first thought was, oh, that fucking asshole. <laughs> and then my next thought was, who, who am I? And then my next thought was, wait, I'm in Chicago, right? Who would wear that hat in this neighborhood? But the closer I got, I realized it wasn't even a mega hat. <laughs> Uh, and being in a very blue city, that rarely happens. I think I've actually seen one. Um, but, you know, what does it say about me that I automatically have this negative reaction to a fucking hat? Uh, MAGA hats represent hatred pretty much any angle that you look at it. Liberals see them as a form of hate speech, but conservatives mainly wear them just to prove a point or to start a fight. So let's start with the phrase itself. It's not new, in case you didn't know. Uh, it was a slogan for Reagan's 1980 campaign. Quote, this country needs a new administration with a renewed dedication to the dream of America, an administration that will give that dream new life and make America great again. That sounds so nice, right? Vague, but positive and uplifting. Uh, Bill Clinton even used it in his 1992 campaign to, quote, make America great again economically, educationally, and socially. Makes sense during a recession. And then Trump comes along and resurrects it. He even trademarked it in 2012. His campaign spent more money on MAGA hats than polling, consultants, or TV ads. And it worked, and it's still working. Honestly, can you think of any other president or presidential candidate that had a slogan that not only lasted through their campaign, but actually through their presidency? Because I can't. Uh, but somehow, instead of using Make America Great Again to look at the future in a positive light, he's using it to turn back the clock and basically undo most of the legislation that Obama passed. The Paris Agreement, Affordable Care Act, the Iran deal, and then enacting laws like a travel ban against mostly Muslim countries, banning transgender people from serving in the military, referring to countries as shitholes, calling Mexicans rapists, making fun of a disabled reporter. Should I go on? Because I will. Talked about grabbing women by the pussy. Do you want me to go on? Great, because I will again. There's also the complete nonsense that he tells to a sea of red hats at his rallies. Things like, quote, if your house is staring at a windmill, not good. It keeps going. When you hear that noise going round and round and round and you're living with it, and then you go crazy after a couple of years, not good, in quotes. He also refuses to distance himself from David Duke, who said, quote, we are determined to take our country back. We are going to fulfill the promises of Donald Trump. That's what we believed in. That's why we voted for Donald Trump, because he said he's going to take our country back. This guy runs the KKK, okay, guys? So when someone wears that red hat, whether they care or not, they're supporting Trump and everything that he says or defends like the fine people on both sides, which included a man who drove his car through a group of protesters in Charlottesville, killing a woman. Look, maybe people wearing MAGA hats aren't horrible people, and maybe some don't agree with his policies 100%. But by wearing that red cap, you're basically saying, oh, I'm okay with it. <laughs> it would be like me eating Chick-fil-A, which I could have today at work, because there was leftovers, but I didn't. <laughs> But seriously, uh, it would be like me eating that after hearing the CEO say, I think we are inviting God's judgment on our nation when we shake our fist at him and say, we know better than you as to what constitutes a marriage. I pray God's mercy on our generation that has such a prideful, arrogant attitude to think that we have the audacity to defend what marriage is about. 
Thank the Lord we live in a country where we can share our values and operate on biblical principles. Wow. Try telling that to my mom and her wife. <laughs> uh, they got married on Christmas Day a couple years ago. Anyways. Um, and my mom's wife built the deck uh, behind their house, so. <laughs> it's just a funny thing. Maybe I could finally get a positive spin on this hat or on Trump from a conservative. Maybe there's got to be something these people actually like about him. But all my interactions, for lack of a better word, have been shitty. Like the time I tweeted at a Trump supporter asking him what he liked about Trump or what good things he had done, and I got called a fat slut. <laughs> Sorry. And I still haven't had much luck. My Uncle Scott lives in Tulsa, Tulsa Oklahoma. He's never really left. On Facebook, he started commenting and arguing on one of my posts, calling my female friend Cupcake. He even used a MAGA hat as a comment, proving what point I don't know, maybe that he's a dick. Uh, <laughs> this is a man who made fun of me in front of my whole family because I didn't want to see my grandfather's open casket. Uh, I ended up unfriending him. This is a man who also said a shooting at his neighborhood was, quote, probably a Mexican or the N-word. So this gives you an idea of what kind of person he is. Also, not that it matters, but the shooter was white. Nah. Uh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> you should be so proud. Uh, can you put that song? Um, and then there's my dad's friend, a farmer in South Carolina. Super nice guy when I met him a few years ago. He said he only reads conservative articles because they're more researched and written better but he likes to be well informed so he can make his own decision. So those kind of contradict each other. I asked him about MAGA hats. He said, quote, I don't have one. I don't buy caps. I get them free from tractors slash equipment companies and, and cattle med supply. Not relevant, okay. Uh, but he said, I see a MAGA hat. Brave person could get attacked by a liberal or denied service. <laughs> Poor oppressed white people. <laughs> There's even an app now, you've probably heard about this, for Trump supporters to find safe places where they can wear their hats. Uh, I love this answer for two reasons. One, it's ridiculous. Uh, two, MAGA hats can be taken off. People of color or uh, gays or lesbians, they can't just take off their hat. <laughs> That's who they are. Um, so now I'd like to show you a quick slideshow. Remember back in the day before MAGA hats, when red hats were associated with Mario from Super Mario Brothers, so they used to play all the time as a kid. Uh, Fun-loving movie character, Forrest Gump. <laughs> Carmen San Diego, which I used to play in my computer lab in middle school. Dudley Do-Right. <laughs> Uh, I can't remember her name, the cowboy from Toy Story. Jesse. What was it? Jesse, thank you. <laughs> Paddington, which I used to read as a kid. I know. <laughs> Life Aquatic, Steve's a Zoo, of course, Bill Murray, who we all love. And one of my, actually, one of my all time favorite movies, Rushmore, Max Fisher. And then, of course, now we see a red hat and we see racism and hatred, white supremacy. Nazis, just plain old white privilege. <laughs> and then he who shall not be named. <laughs> There's a real fear with these hats. 
Did you know that hate crimes have increased 226% in counties where Trump rallies have been held? I read it in Business Insider, so I trust it. <laughs> I asked some of my fellow performers and comedians what MAGA hats mean to them. They said hate, idiocy, uneducated, quote, I feel unsafe, narrow-minded, white supremacy, quote, I equate it to the Confederate flag. But the other side doesn't really wear it as a badge of honor but it seems like a way to mock the other side and act like the victims. Hey, I wore an Obama button the day after he was elected in 2008, and I knew my former traitors slash Irish Catholics slash South Side slash white dads and husbands who were my coworkers wouldn't like it. But I wore it proudly anyway for the day, got teased a bit, actually a lot. But I took the hint, I didn't wear it to work anymore because in my heart, I supported Obama and I liked my coworkers and I didn't feel the, nerd, the need to stir up any shit. So Trumpers out there, go to your rallies, wear your dumb hats, but when you're in public, at Starbucks, out to dinner, I don't know, at a vigil for the mass shooting in New Zealand, take off the hats and keep it to yourself. And I like to end with a quote from our president on how we would handle a protester, just to prove my point. Quote, I love the old days, you know? You know what I hate? There's a guy totally disruptive, throwing punches. We're not allowed to punch back anymore. I'd like to punch him in the face, I'll tell ya. Thanks. Alright, here's Lindsay Williams. And the other side of that is that it ain't no thing, it's just a stupid end. Mr. Chris Churchill, please. I just feel like I should preface this, but this debate, the side that he takes here, doesn't make him a Trumper. This is about fashion, just so we're clear. Right? Yeah, thanks for giving me this topic. <laughs> Chris Churchill, everybody. <laughs> All right, hi, everybody. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm Chris Churchill. That's my car. <laughs> now, you guys remember um, late summer 2016 into early November 2016, we started seeing sort of an uptick in these really annoying hats being worn by really annoying people. And as it got closer to November, they got more and more vocal and more and more excited. And it was these, uh, these blue hats with the red C's on them. And, uh, I'll tell you, to this day, when I see somebody wearing one of those hats walk in my direction, I get terrified. <laughs> Especially if you're in the wrong neighborhood, like if you're in like, you know, Wrigleyville or something and you see somebody wearing those hats and you're like, you realize you're not in the right place, you know? I see one walk toward me and, and I'm sure he's gonna stand up in front of me and say, hey you, what are you looking at? I could buy and sell you three times by the afternoon. And he probably could, right? And he walks around with this air of elitism about him, you know? I'm pretty sure that anybody I see wearing one of those Cubs hats would just as soon beat me up and vomit on me as uh, smile at me, right? I mean, that's all I ever see the Cubs hat wearers doing. They somehow always have a flask, don't they? <laughs> They're always just drinking somewhere. They don't watch the games, do they? No, they go in there because that's a big bar. That's a huge bar, really. <laughs> am, I, am I too loud? Am I, am I too passionate? Am I being censored? Are we good? All right. Uh, anyway. So one time I was at a restaurant, having a nice dinner with my wife, and a guy in a Cubs hat comes in. I called the maitre d' over and I said, listen, either he leaves or I do. <laughs> All right? 
So you know, I mean, you know, you see what I'm getting at. Like, it, it, it's tough to be around those people. It's tough to look at that hat and go, oh my God, these people are horrible, disgusting, shallow, wannabe elitists whose parents paid for their education and probably paid a little something extra uh, thanks to the recent scandals we know what they're up to, uh, to get their kids into these schools, and they live with 15 roommates in Wrigleyville, but they claim they live in a good zip code, you know? Anyway, uh, yeah, these guys, so I had a real thing about them, and, and I thought, you know, if I ever went into a chat room with one of these people with the, with the blue hat with the C on it, that we had nothing in common. And then one day it just occurred to me, it was really more my problem than it was theirs. I was the one that had all the preconceived notions about these Cubs fans. I, I, I just assumed all these elitist things about the Cubs fans from my own insecurities. And I realized that maybe I should go check them out in their natural habitat. So I just looked around for a bar with old style on it somewhere, <laughs> preferably a batting cage and an ax throwing area. Um, and I walked in, and I just looked for the first, well, there were 40, uh, blue hats. I was like, at first I was like, oh my God, what is happening here? But I walked, and I just sat down next to somebody, and we just started talking. Now, I am a professor of public speaking and communication at Harper College and, and, and Northeastern Illinois University, and so I kind of I have taught this concept before. If you ever have a, an argument with somebody, you know, you have this, this persuasion. You guys know the, the rhetoric, you know, the three artistic proofs, ethos, pathos, and logos. You can't get to the pathos and the logos, that's the emotional argument and the logical argument, unless you establish your ethos first, right? The idea that there's a reason for people to be paying attention to you, that they think you're worth listening to. And if you are not friends with someone, if you are the other, they're never gonna listen to you. So I went in there and I sat down next to this Cubs fan and we started talking. We started finding we had things in common. We didn't talk about anything important. We just talked about things like, you know, border walls and racism and sexism. We didn't talk about anything. We don't like getting a baseball or anything. Don't worry about that. We just got into this other stuff. And after a while we realized we had a lot in common. And then I started giving him some of my real life, and he started giving me some of his real life. We started to kind of know each other, and guess what? Not only was he transformed a little bit, was he convinced a little bit, I was convinced a little bit. Now I see, every time I see one of those blue hats, that's not an enemy. That is a target for someone to engage with, to become friendly with. I know it's hard. Maybe I have it a little bit easier because I am the white, cisgender, middle-aged male in the room, and I have that privilege, but that's how you use that privilege if you have it. You engage with the people who are using it wrong. When I was working this out beforehand, my wife said, that sounds a lot like those, uh, those Trump MAGA hat people. I said, what are you talking about? What is, did you know that the president has a bunch of people that follow him that wear red hats? <laughs> Weird, very coincidental. So I wrote a song. Where are we at? Yeah, good. Means I don't have to have memorized all the lyrics. My dog has fleas. This is the part of the song. 
that I'll play when I can't remember the lyrics. Okay. Adolescents have a score to settle. Adolescents like to prove their mettle. But adolescence isn't just an age, it's confusion and rage that defines that stage. Most people get their big boy pants. A lot of others never get that chance to, to speak and be heard without pouting and shouting. So they wear their red MAGA hats at every outing. <laughs> and you think that they're looking for trouble. You think that they found their trouble. In fact, you say they found their trouble in you. Let me burst your bubble. Here's some advice you can have for free. You can wear your MAGA hat with me. If we can agree that we might agree. You can wear your MAGA hat with me. Cause you wear it in your homes, in your halls, in your rallies. You have to wear your MAGA hat with me. When you come to my city, to my streets and my alleys. You have to wear your MAGA hat with me. Let the babies have their bottles. Let the children have their toys. Adolescents have those red MAGA hats because let's face it, it's fun to annoy. Adults, we have sex partners. Adults, sometimes we jump out of airplanes. Adolescents, they wear those red MAGA hats. They Swear it's their pride, but I see it's their pain. You have to look below the brim to see the child within. They think we don't want to know their heart because conversation is a dying art. We think they look like mascots inside the Magadome, but every hat comes off inside a home. Let them feel at home. Let them feel at home. Chris Churchill, ladies and gentlemen. That's just a hat. All right. So, while you were listening intently, you were also thinking of questions for our thinkers here. Does anybody have any questions? <laughs> you need to stop that? Well, I, I mean, if it, Somebody uh, outside was really happy with my performance and so they Yeah, really. I just, I thought the kit had laryngitis and had to cough it up or something. All right. Did anybody get that reference at all? Kit, Knight Rider? Okay, Forget yeah. it, doesn't matter. Okay. Listen to the, the podcast later, we'll figure it out. It's in the show notes. All right. Yes, sir, you've got a question. Yeah, Who is this I question, got a question for? for Carl Horn. It's a question for for Carhorn for Carhorn Chris. A question for Carhorn Chris. Okay, what's your question? I've been watching a lot of horror movies. Okay. And they usually involve scary children. Oh yeah. Sure. Kids can kill. Oh, I don't sure. know if that's just politics or whatever, but whenever there's corruption going on, they will kill. Yeah. Why am I there to help them? 
Why are you there to help? All right, so the question is... I mean, I, 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 let me try and sort this out, because I have to repeat it. For, so the, the question is, and work with me here. Politics makes children kill. Why should you support the politics that make children kill? Is there that... we go, sure. <laughs> All right, Chris, the question for you is, politics makes children kill. Why should he support the politics that make children kill? You've got one minute. Come here. <laughs> well, as with every uh, political side, there is a continuum. There is an extreme side, a medium side, a light side, people who don't care, people who really care way too much. And yes, uh, everything that anyone says can make someone kill somebody. Uh, but yeah, you do have to defend yourself when kids are out there killing people, but not all the kids that are on that continuum are to the level of killing people. Some of them can actually be reached. Some of them can actually be, be befriended. Uh, now, I watched Walking Dead a couple weeks ago, and I saw Michonne kill a whole bunch of children. That's because they had it coming. <laughs> but there are, also, there are also people that you can reach. Uh, I mean, just the... the the proverbial uh, 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 juvenile delinquent with the heart of gold. I mean, they're out there. There you go. All right, did that answer the question? Doesn't matter, thank you for asking. Are there any other questions for either Chris or Lindsay? Yes. Um, Chris, if uh, the MAGA hat or a Cubs hat or any hat could be uh, a <laughs> call to action to friend someone, doesn't that in and of itself give it importance and make it not just a fashion statement? So the question was, if a MAGA hat or a Cubs hat, which are on the same level, right. and I get that, I just, for the record, I get that. If they're on the same level, well, for the sake of the argument, yeah. If they're on the same level, no. say, try it again. Yeah. I, yeah, okay. it's so, this is hard, right? Like, these are, this is tough, man. That's why he's taking so, his clothes off. <laughs> if um, wearing a particular item could be a call for someone else to act, to befriend someone, to make you feel at home, to help with change, doesn't that negate the idea that it's merely a fashion statement? Doesn't it give it inherently importance? Yeah, I, I understand what she says. So, so if the, yeah, right. So, I well, I, I, I technically, I technically have to translate the question for the for the podcast oh, listeners in case oh, I can hear and anybody else. Right, they can't hear you. Uh, so, the, the question is, does what we wear determine if 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 my T-shirt or my hats that I, I, that I wear on the street? that we wear on the street says, I want to be friends with you because I like your hat, I dig your hat, man. Does that mean that it's more than something, just a, a throwaway, silly opinion? That, it, that it's definitive of who we are as people? Yeah? Good enough? I'll give you a minute and a half on this one. Okay. <laughs> okay, so as I mentioned, I teach, I teach communication. Uh, just at the freshman level, I'm not that bright, but, um, but there's a thing called artifacts. It's part of the way you present yourself, how your fashion, how your clothes actually say something. Turns out everything you wear is an artifact. Everything you wear that is like an accessory or is just a choice you made 
about what you're wearing. For instance, uh, I'm wearing this hat, or this hat, this shirt right now with a cute little cockatiel with a red Christmas hat on it so that you guys will find me more likable, <laughs> right? I have an adorable cockatiel at home and look at this picture, she's wearing a red hat and I really wanna be her friend. Um, but the thing is, everything we wear says something, but meaning is both in the article and the person sending the message and those receiving the message. We can choose to receive it as a threat or as an invitation. That's fine. Okay, yeah, that, that was a minute flat, well done. All right, are there any other questions for our thinkers on this topic? That's it, okay, well done. All right, so, do you have another one? Because we still have one to see. Yes, Sherry, go ahead. This is a question for Lindsay. What would you think of a blue hat that said M-A-G-A, get rid of Trump? The question was, what, Lindsay, what would you say if you saw a blue hat that said M-A-G-A, get rid of Trump? Make America great. Gotcha. Okay. So make America great again, get rid of Trump. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I like that question. I, because I've seen hats, I saw one time, like I said earlier, I did see a red hat that, that this yeah. is a different time though, like a couple of years ago, and it's, it was during the women's, the first women's march, and it said, make America gay again. And it was a red hat, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, do, I do like that. Um, I think it's creative in a good way to show your, uh, I don't know how to say this. Yeah, I do like that. I do like people that are creative, as opposed to, to just, I, I had a friend at my old job who did wear a MAGA hat to, to be ironic. And that was, he was such a fucking idiot, but, um, so yeah, I'll say it again. I do, I do like stuff like that. It's creative. that sort of goes against the grain. I don't know. That's my answer. Okay, there are your questions. I'm going to give uh, Judge John just a moment to, to deliberate because I have to, I have to just quickly tell this story that as far as, it, Sherry, thank you for your question. Uh, the blue MAGA hat thing. So uh, my wife is here tonight, and thank you, Katie, for coming out. So our, our son and our, our new puppy is at home with, with my... Your son is your new puppy? My son, well, yeah, I mean, they just kind of puke and shit and whatever. Um, <laughs> shed hair everywhere and hump my leg. Um, but they're at home right now with, with my mom, who's wearing her, her skin-tight leather pants. Um, yeah. But yeah, so... God love my grandfather-in-law... But he's a Trumper guy. And I almost lost my shit one Easter when we went down and he was wearing a blue MAGA hat. Think about that for a second. Okay. How fucking like, like dollar store general off-brand bullshit, you know? <laughs> You know, like, it's not a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. It's a, you know, young youth, super-powered uh, amphibian fighter guy. Like, those off-brand things. Like, just, it was fascinating. And I want to be like, I, like, I can't even debate him. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't really mean it. Because if he did, he'd invest the eight bucks or whatever the hell it costs instead of the $3.88 to get, right? 
Anyway, it's just weird, but they're out there. The fucking knockoffs are out there. All right, so. <laughs> Central Illinois, everybody. Yay. I honestly, all kidding aside, I fucking love it. I love it. I love my in-laws. I love going down there. I love seeing blue MAGA hats because they're just funny. All right. <laughs> Judge John, what are we thinking? I'm going to get a call from Vegas on this one. The MAGA hat is an expression of an opinion. And that opinion is, I hate everyone that's not a dipshit white male like me, Lindsay. Bughouse works is the thinkers don't get to pick their topics. They're assigned by, by me. And sometimes they do believe it, sometimes they don't believe it at all. What's fascinating, I think, about this is that it forces the thinker to actually think about the argument. And if they don't believe it, I've had most people that I've, that I've had um, that, that took the, the side they didn't believe in come to me at the end of the night and say, or beginning of the night, or at some point during the week leading up to it say, I, I, I don't believe anything I'm saying, but researching this, I almost convinced myself <laughs> it's true. And that's the thing about debate, is that you really cannot truly successfully argue your side until you understand the other. Right, that's what dialectic is about. It's about reason, it's about knowledge, it's about understanding. So that said, for the record, Chris Churchill, is not a Trump guy, does not like the red MAGA hats. I voted for, Trump, I voted for Hillary like six times. Right? He voted for Hillary six times! And look where it got us! Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Tonight I'm gonna require... I'm gonna need audience participation. And I don't know if that's technically against the rules of this because I didn't bother to ask and I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Reasons I got fired from teaching. volunteer to pass out some handouts for me. Thank you, all the rest of you, for being seated in your assigned seats. I really appreciate it. He'll do it. Yeah. He'll do it. Oh, Aaron, thank you so much for volunteering. I really appreciate it. So if you could just pass out a few of these to each table. These are going to be your visual aids, and they're going to help you through today's lesson. You guys didn't know that you were getting a lesson tonight, but that's what is happening. And to sweeten the pot, because I really did used to be a teacher, and I know how this shit works. I have brought you snacks. I have brought you candy. And if you participate, I will chuck a sucker at you. These are non-allergen. <laughs> because again, I was a real teacher. <laughs> but they are 
caramel apple suckers, which are the best suckers objectively. I think we can all agree. All right, so tonight we're going to be talking about hipsters. And we're going to be focusing primarily on the North American male hipster because really it's the quintessential hipster. When we talk about hipster, that is who we picture. This is not to suggest that hipsters do not exist outside of North America or that there are no female hipsters. In fact, some of you on your handouts might see a female hipster or two, but primarily when we think of hipster, we think of the quintessential North American male hipster, and so that is, that is really the subject of tonight's lesson. So in front of you, you should have some handouts which have some pictures on them of our hipster friends. And what I'd like you to take a couple of minutes to do, just a minute because I've only got seven up here, seven or eight, I'd like you to take a minute to look at your handouts and to identify what do you see, what do you notice, what are the things that tell you that these people pictured here are hipsters. What are the things that make a hipster a hipster? And I'm going to make, hoping I can get some of you to call out for me what plaid. you're seeing. Perfect. I'm going to make a little inventory here. <laughs> so plaid. We've got plaid. Spears. Man right. <laughs> Glasses. Oversized scarf. Tattoos. Button up shirt, button to the way top. Okay, hold on. Got one button. All right, for the, for the sake of our podcast friends, I'm going to read off what we've got so far, and then I'm going I'm to have you shout some more. We've got plaid, I've got beards, I've got a man bun, I've got glasses, I think, I think it was oversized glasses specifically, I've got scarves, I've got skinny jeans. What else do we have? Coffee. Fucking absurd mustaches. <laughs> Fucking Top absurd button. mustaches. Top we've button. got coffee. We've got top button button. All right, nice. Uh, man buns. We've got man buns. Impractical clothing. Impractical clothing. All right, I like it. Craft beer. Craft beer. You know, I think both. I think both craft beer and craft beards is appropriate here. Squinty eyes. Okay. <laughs> I heard not people of color. What is the overwhelming skin tone that you are seeing on these papers? White on these photos? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Porcelain. I heard porcelain from the back there. I heard white people. Yeah. I knew you felt like that. Yeah. We got lots of white people. All right. Tattoos. Leisurely activity. Bikes. Ooh, leisurely activities. All right, I like that. Fixie bikes. Okay. Smugness. 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 Who said smugness? That's excellent. All right, I gotta, I gotta hand out. I've been busy writing. I 
think I think some suckers are owed. Who said smugness? That is worth. That is absolutely worth the smugness. Suckers. That was our lo that was our lovely bartender. Oh, he doesn't want one. All right. Are you, are you coming? Oh, you want to hand out suckers? My, my lovely assistant, Aaron, has, has volunteered to hand out suckers as well as handouts. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. He's a champ. I married him for a reason. It wasn't this. I didn't know that he was good at this, but it turns out he's good at a lot of things. A couple things. <laughs> All right. What else we got? So. We started, we started getting into some of, the more, some of the more meaty bits. We got skin tone. What else do we notice about these people? Let's talk about age. What do we see about age? What do we think is like the average age? Mid to late 20s. 20, 27. Okay. 20, 27. I'm hearing like mid to late 20s. I'd say 30s. 30s? I'm hearing into 30s? Okay, so I'm hearing... We're in a range, it seems like we're kind of landing around like late 20s-ish, uh -huh. maybe early 30s for our hipsters. Okay, so I feel like we've got a pretty decent list here. I think that this last piece is really kind of the key to identifying the central question. And our central question, remember, as David Humble pointed out at the beginning of this, is are hipsters cool or are they not? Now, if our standard quintessential hipster is in his late 20s, maybe early 30s, and I tell you most of the hipsters that I know are about my age and I am in my mid-30s, here's the thing that I know about most hipsters is that they are someone's dad. <laughs> and, and I don't know if you guys know this, I hope that you do. <laughs> Dads are not cool. <laughs> there right now and you are thinking, but Carrie, how dare you? Dads can totally be cool. Then I submit to you that you are either too young or too old to engage in cultural conversations about what is or is not cool. <laughs> it's really very simple. Himmel's kid is not allowed here tonight because Himmel's kid is too young and probably, maybe, I don't know, maybe doesn't think that his dad is cool, but someday probably will for a brief period of time, and then he will grow up and he will know that dads are not cool. <laughs> and then someday he will become a dad himself and he will cling desperately to the idea that, wait, no, dads can be cool. But he only thinks that because he wants it to be true. Not because it is true. 30-year-old white people with dumb mustaches <laughs> are the epitome of trying too hard. <laughs>
desperately clinging to the hope that they can be cool. Because they know deep down in their hearts that they are not, and you know it too. Thank you. Carrie Kasser, what's here for? And the hard reminder that I now suck. But my kid thinks I'm cool now. Yeah, but you're right. It's one day it's going to go to total shit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that day is probably like tomorrow. They grow up so quickly. They grow up so quickly. All right. So now hipsters are cool. Beards, dads, and everything included. Here's Sherry Rita. Let's hear it. So, okay, all name calling aside, <laughs> we ask the question, are hipsters hip? And so the short, unhip answer to that question is, well, duh. Yeah, hipsters are hip, that's why we call them that. Because they are way cooler than we could ever be. And they have grown that hair, or cut that hair. <laughs> shirts and dabbled in homemade artisanal creation before we knew it existed. Done. But I have a few more minutes, so I'll go on. <laughs> a hipster is someone who lives a life of independent disregard for mainstream values that the rest of us only pretend to disdain. You just can't get cooler than that in any era. At the turn of the 20th century, Hepcats were cool, right? Because they appreciated jazz and the Harlem Renaissance. Yeah, they were white, but they knew how to appreciate people who weren't white, while everyone else was running around singing about bicycles built for two. <laughs> In the late 50s, beatniks were cool because they refused to settle into tract house marriages and die there. Instead, they set off on the road, explored the soul of the nation in their own trampled souls. In the late 60s, early 70s, hippies were cool because they rejected consumer culture and eternal warfare, and they started us on the rocky road to legalize marijuana. <laughs> Today's hipsters color outside all of those boxes. It's just hard for us to see it, but I can help you there, okay? They go for every kind of indie music there is, even more than the Hepcats. They live in edgy neighborhoods, not only because that's the only ones they can afford, <laughs> but also in a total rejection of the suburban dream. They shop at thrift stores. You want to judge them for that? Because not only does it make sense to shop at thrift stores when you have no money, but it takes the teeth out of consumer culture it's a much better fuck you to Madison Avenue than wearing bell bottoms was. It's better for the planet. And then there's that local artisanal thing. It sounds kind of precious. <laughs> if 
But it's not, you know? It's the disgusting rich who copy them so fervently that made local and artisanal into this fetish. Because they know it's cool. They just don't know why. <laughs> A hipster can tell you why it's cool. Because it prevents leakage. I think we can all agree that leakage is bad. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the reality. <laughs> no, seriously, leakage, it's a thing. Here's, here, here's the reality. Buying locally keeps twice as much money here at home than buying at a big box store. It preserves downtowns, it makes jobs, it limits shopping, and generally keeps Jeff Bezos from a total takeover of the planet. <laughs> shopping locally keeps a place alive. Hipsters are some of the few people around who still make the effort to do that stuff. And they can do other things too. They can take pictures with real cameras. <laughs> They not only play vinyl records, they can make them. They can cook stuff themselves, which means that hipsters claim their personal power. They maintain the ability to direct their own lives instead of being directed into buying what corporate powers say they want. So yeah, people have plenty of complaints about hipsters. You can find them online in a single click. In his 10-year-old attempt to dismiss hipsters and adbusters, the magazine that criticizes consumer culture but ironically lives off it, Douglas Haddow called hipsters the dead end of Western civilization. He ridiculed hipsters for appropriating different styles of different cultures, but Haddow missed the point. Hipsters get that style belongs to no one. No one can tell us what to wear. Why do the rest of us let people tell us what to wear? Cultural critic Christian Lorenzen deplored hipster irony. And it's true. Hipsters enjoy the humor and hands the beer refreshing. They know how to laugh at cultural contradictions. But irony, that's not irony. Irony belongs to those humorless postmoderns. You know, the ones who bemoan inauthenticity while refusing to commit to anything at all. Hipsters do attract copycats. Fake fashionistas and privileged prima donnas who wear the clothes, buy the items, and then go to their trading jobs on Monday morning. That's because everyone knows. Even copycats know that they should be living the way that hipsters live, only they're afraid to. What would their bosses say if they grew beards that made them look like Walt Whitman? <laughs> How could they aspire to be sex symbols with hairy legs and underarms? Ask my daughter, she'll tell you, I can't. <laughs> what image or idea is important enough for them to write on their very skin? You know, it's easy to give hipsters mildly denigrating names. Hepcat, beatnik, hippie, hipster, whatever. None of those guys ever needed your approval. <laughs> Being beyond approval is, being, is what being a hipster is all about, and there is nothing cooler than that. All right, so there you go. All right. So Sherry's saying that, no, they're totally cool. Hipsters are awesome, right? But, like, they even fucking care. <laughs> and then Carrie's saying, nope. <laughs> Like she even fucking cares. All right, so.
Okay, so any questions for our thinkers here tonight? No questions? Really? None? We covered it. It was pretty solid. Nothing at all? Okay, thank you. There's, all right, so there's one. I have a question for Sherry, right? A question for Sherry, yes, sir. Uh, I'm not sure if you know this, but hipsters, they sometimes wear fedoras. Yes. <laughs> That's cool? Okay, so the question... <laughs> the question was, uh, Sherry, hipsters wear fedoras? That's cool? <laughs> You've got a minute to respond. When a hipster does it, it's cool. No. <laughs> they're, they're cool because Frank Sinatra did it. And they're cool because they keep the rain off when you're riding your bike. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Any other questions? Yes, sir. This Carrie. Is, yeah. Question for Carrie. How much mustache is too much mustache? <laughs> the, question, the question for Carrie is how much mustache is too much mustache? Well, if you take a look at your handouts, <laughs> I think you'll clearly be able to see that there's a point at which the mustache begins to become a thing that has a life of its own Get start, start curling it and waxing it upwards as though we're a dandy from the 1850s. And I think it's clear that at that point, we've definitely reached too much mustache. <laughs> Neither of you that I'm sleeping with over there have reached that level of mustache. <laughs> but watch it. All right, so we got room for one more question on this bout. Anybody else? Maybe just for fun, a question about mustache rides? <laughs> no? Okay. All right. Judge John, what you got? Leakage is bad. Sherry. <laughs> Apparently, hipsters are cool, man. Sherry's the winner here right now. Thank you all for coming out tonight. Thank you all for thinking this through with us. Thank you to all of our thinkers, Chris and Sherry and Lauren and Carrie and Lindsay and who am I? And Brett and your shoes. My God, your shoes, those beautiful fucking shoes. And the audience, thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of Bug House. Good night, everybody. Yeah.